Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome along to the Outlawed Rugby League podcast, episode 15, the second in the mini-series of Rugby League Pioneers. In this one, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a guy who is a legend in the Northeast Rugby League in England, 13 years playing for Gated Thunder. He then moved over and is now a legend of the USARL, coaching dog's body, whatever you want to call it, of, uh, of the Boston 13s. Really enjoyed doing this one. Really good to catch up with my boy Robin again. Um, we had a, a couple of sound issues, a couple of kind of connection issues. So apologies if if some of it kind of overlaps a little bit. I listened to it um, the other day and it, it kind of, Robin was struggling a little bit with in terms of his connection a little bit. So apologies for that. However, I hope you enjoy it. And, you know, he comes out with some really great stuff. So, yeah. Grab a beer, get on board, enjoy this one, and uh, this is myself and uh, and Robin Pierce. Cheers, guys. So welcome along to someone that I've known for uh, a good few years. Uh, to be fair, however, he's probably more recognised in the circles of rugby league in Boston. Welcome along to Robin Pierce. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing over there, bud? Yeah, very well, very well. Um, it's uh, it's glorious sunshine. To be fair, mate. So um, can't can't complain. Can't complain. Yeah, that's good. Uh, like, yeah, we we got a little bit of snow here today, which uh, in the middle of May is a bit strange. So I'd, I'd certainly <laughs> take your sunshine that you tell me about. <laughs> definitely, mate. Definitely. I think it's. Uh, I think given the the circumstances, anything goes at the minute. Um. So obviously, Robin, we've we've known each other for for quite a few years. Um. You know, we we played for the same amateur side. Um. Both coached there at the same time as well. Um. I mean, I think I remember being coached by you. I think it was like thirteen, fourteen. So that's. That shows kind of how long we've known each other um, at a regional camp. Um, but obviously things have progressed a little bit since then. So just just to give kind of the listeners a bit of a background, tell me how you first got involved in rugby league. Yeah, I uh, I actually was a I was a young budding footballer um, in in the town of Walls End, playing for Walls End Boys Club, and um, thought that's where my uh, my future lay with uh, with football or soccer as they would call it over here in America. But um, Started down at Western Middle School when I was nine years old, and um, there was a lot of a lot of the the kids there had just started playing some rugby league at at the Newcastle Eagles Junior Club at the time. Um, yeah. Took I played a little bit of rugby at school, um, but it maybe took me two or three years to eventually drop the drop the football and start playing uh, playing rugby league as my main sport. I mean, I did a lot of other stuff too. Played cricket, played. Uh, Played, played every sport somebody threw at me really, but um, yeah, I think probably when I was when I was eleven or twelve, started down at the Eagles, lo- loved it, um, fantastic club. There were some fantastic people involved back at back at that time, and then um, and then yeah, just progressed from there really. No, fair enough. I mean, there, there was probably um, some of the best northeast rugby players were kind of your era. I mean, you got Kevin Neighbour and there's a few others as well. You know, kind of the Thormans as well. Um, that everyone knows about, um, but obviously, along came a, a professional career. I think it was what was it thirteen years at Thunder. How did how did that come about? Yeah, I was with Thunder for thirteen years. Um, I was in the 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 northeast system for a while until I was until I was how old sixteen seventeen, and then um the we we had an academy side back in the day. It wasn't affiliated to any professional club. It was just the the Gateshead Academy, the Gateshead Met. And then, um, yeah, we were given a professional franchise. Gates of Thunder came about in 2000, sorry, 2000, 1999. Um, and the academy sort of were taken under the umbrella. So 
So yeah, I signed for the club in 1999 and then played right in the way through till the year 2012 when I when I decided to finish playing and, and got the opportunity to become a coach in Boston. No, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're still the top appearance holder for Thunder. Um, talk about your time there. I mean, obviously, you know, 13 years is a long time to spend at just one club. Yeah, well, I actually have to correct you there because Joe Brown, my boy Joe Brown, he... Uh, he he overtook the record last summer, so um, so congratulations to, to, to Joe on that record. Joe spent a lot of time at, at the Thunder, and he does a lot of work on the, the development of the game over there um, right now, which is obviously flourishing these days. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah played played a gate said I uh, played in some very differing circumstances. Sometimes we struggled, other times we had some great successes. You know, played with some fantastic players and. Met some of the best friends you'll you'll ever meet through, um, through playing with Gateshead, but um, also yeah, played under some fantastic coaches too. And part of the thing I, I knew I kind of wanted to go into coaching once I uh, once I finished playing. So part of the thing was to try and learn stuff from from every coach that I worked under. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. I mean, like I say, we we kind of coached a bit, and I, I think I did my work experience under you as well when I was at school. But one of the kind of biggest memories I have of, of spending time with you was we I was at Gator at a place called Gator College at the time and you were working kind of essentially for the RFL I think it was um, and we had like some kind of crappy sports day that I didn't really want to get involved in and, and you texted me and said look mate do you want me to get you out of it come and say that you you know we're you know we're sorting out some kind of job or something like that I think we ended up going and moving a TV for Graham Neighbour but uh, that's a that's a different story um, but obviously, promotion, relegation, money troubles, everything, you know, happened at Thunder. Um, so you retired from Thunder, then then what happened? Yeah, I, uh, so, so I, I worked for the RFL as well as playing playing with the Thunder. Um, that was probably from when I graduated university in, when did I graduate? 2002, 2003. So I worked for the RFL for probably seven or eight years. And... Um, Part of that, I, I did a couple of projects for the Rugby League European Federation. One, I went to Russia, um, do some coach education and, and, and development in Rostov in Russia. Um, and off the back of that, I, I ended up doing a, delivering on a course at Brunel University. I think we had 49 um, delegates on the course from maybe 15 plus different nations, mainly from Europe. But we had the guys over from the USA and the guys over from Jamaica too. And the guys from the USA uh, were out of Boston, and they were they asked me that uh, back then. Hey, you know, you want to come over and um, you want to come over and coach in America? And at the time, you know, I was playing, had a, had a good job, didn't really think about doing it. But then one year on, um, off the back of kind of like the two thousand and eight credit crunch, uh, the, the sporting the funny funding was ring fenced for the RFL for four years, but that fell around about 2012 and had to start doing some cuts so um there was talk of redundancies and wasn't really enjoying my playing at that point so i reached out to the guys in america and so, sort of struck a deal and, and ended up over in boston yeah wow wow i suppose you've not not looked back since i mean how long have you been out there now um been eight, eight years now yeah eight years really blimey yeah you can hear kind of um a bit of Americanism coming into your accent as well. Yeah, the funny funny thing <laughs> is, uh, yeah, I talk to people over here and they they still don't understand my accent fully, and uh, and then I talk <laughs> to people back home and they think I talk American. So 
it's uh it's yeah. obviously somewhere in the middle no mate i i get that i um i mean i've lived down in nottingham for come up for eight ten years now um and like you say i say certain words and people will be like what on earth are you talking about um you know i'll still sit there and call call a cookbook a cookbook um always people like to call it a cookbook but anyway um so obviously previously coaching at uh, at Boston, um, then obviously you've got Dustin Cooper there. Um, how did you get someone like that involved in the Um, yeah, so that was a that was a strange one actually. So, um, the um the guy who was running the Boston franchise, a guy named Mick Shamas, he's a he's a he's a rugby league nut uh, out of Hampshire. Actually, he lives he was born and raised in Hampshire in England, um, but he discovered rugby league while at university in Lebanon. He's he's, he's of Lebanese descent. Um, so he started playing in Lebanon and then moved to Boston to do some uh, studying at Harvard. Um, so Mick um, started the Boston team and they were part of the, when the USARL formed, they formed as like a breakaway league. They formed in 2011. And um, yeah, so in 2011, um, there, were, there were seven teams in the in the USARL and they decided they needed an eighth team to uh to make like a round, a round number, make make mm. things easier fixture wise and stuff. So Mick decided he was going to form a second Boston team. Um, so what what ended up happening was um, I was brought over to um, to coach the Boston Thirteens, and we had two uh, two uh, two kids out of Melbourne coming over as imports for us. And then the idea was that. That Dustin was coming over to play a coach. The the other franchise that we had here in Boston, they were called the United Football Club, and um, yeah. So Coops was supposed to be coming over to do that, but it it, it without getting into it too much, the the whole system just what it just just didn't really work. There wasn't enough players um, here in Boston to to have these two teams. Um, mm. So what? What we decided to do um, was to to kind of like work them under the same banner, so all the players would be Boston Thirteens players, um, and they'd all fight to be on the the Boston Thirteens roster on a Saturday. Um, and if they didn't yeah. make the Boston Thirteens roster, they they would play for Oneida. Um, thought that was a good good system um, because they gave gave the boys something to strive towards you know hit like and then like hey you know i, I don't I, and at the time unfortunately it was like we know you don't want to play for an item but um you know that's the pathway to the to playing in the in the 13s uniform you know um so yeah mm. so so to answer the question yeah coops came over as, as that but then then we quickly sort of flipped it and and coops um became a member of the Boston 13s as as all the players did under under the Oneida umbrella. Um and yeah we had a very successful first season. We I, I think I, I might be wrong here, but I think Boston 13s and Oneida finished seventh and eighth in twenty eleven in the in the inaugural season. And then in in the next season, um the thirteens we actually finished runners up to Jacksonville. We got beat by one try in the grand final which which sucked and Oneida actually they, they finished in sixth place. There was two teams below them in the competition. Which, uh, which is kind of crazy that our, our reserve side um, didn't even finish in last place, finishing sixth, sixth out of eight. So, wow. um, but yet yeah, it showed that we had a good amount of uh, quality players in the Boston area, but um, we just needed the right the right systems. Um, unfortunately, um, Mick uh, Mick's work took him to Lebanon, 
um, after that first season of us all together. If if Mick had stayed, we'd have had like unparalleled success in America with Mick running things off the field, me coaching and and Dustin as player coach. Yeah, we like nobody would have touched us for years. But unfortunately, um, Mick had to go to Lebanon and for and 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 the the funding of everything kind of like stalled. And um, yeah, that's that. It is what it is. You know, we we, we dealt with uh, what was thrown at us, and then um, we had we, we we had a we had a down year in 2013, 2014, We built it back up, and then twenty fifteen we uh, we won the national championship. So we uh, we were very happy about that. You know, mm. no, definitely. I mean, you, you know, you, you talk to people with regards to rugby league in in America, and kind of one of the first teams that that comes to mind is the Boston Thirteens, and. You know, it's it's very American to have kind of a number as your as your kind of nickname as well, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but I mean, you've you've had some pretty big names, you know, of rugby league involved. I mean, I believe Peter Lupton was over there at one point as well. So surely that can only be a good thing, you know, given it's a relatively amateur competition. Yeah, yeah. Peter's still here, actually. Peter Peter's still here in Boston. Lives here with his wife and his two children. Um, fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, yeah, he he still plays. Um, he's the same age as me, thirty-eight, but he's, he's still pulling on the pulling on the uniform on a weekend in in, in the summer. So, uh, so that's great, you know. Um, yeah, we had we had Davy yeah, Peterson good. over. Um, he he played Super League at Hull KR. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we've had we've had some 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 good boys over here, you know. We've had some good boys. We we were actually play, we had we had some. Some real good stuff lined up for this summer, but then obviously the whole coronavirus thing um, put us put a stall to everything. I'd I'd be surprised if we if we get any footy this summer. If I'm honest, I uh, I thought we would, yeah. but yeah, it's looking like it's not gonna happen. I don't think. Maybe we'll get one or two or three friendlies towards maybe late July, early August. But yeah, I I'm I'm thinking it might just all get knocked on the head for the for for the summer. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I I speak quite regularly with a, a few guys that are involved, and you know, um, a couple of guys from from Nova who uh, send the regards. Obviously, Ryan Burrows um, and and Travis, the, uh, the yeah. coach as well. Uh, but it, but a trash talking from Travis, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> um, but yeah, you know, they're, they're very much of the, this a similar kind of. Um, thought process and, and you know ultimately it's, it's got to be for the safety of the players and everything like that um, as much as obviously what we want the game going forward but I mean in your eyes then what, what does rugby league need to do to grow in the States? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough it's a tough one to be honest a very tough question um, I'll, I'll throw a few things at you you know like the first first thing that the sport needs to do is to um, is to harmonise um, at the top level, with regards to the administration, unfortunately, the we we it it just seems to be that this is what happens in America, especially American rugby. The the USCRL split from the AMNRL in twenty eleven. So then, um, so that kind of fractured everything. So anybody who who was a strong AMNRL sort of like body, um, is probably not involved in the game anymore. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. and then what happened? The the USCRL clubs, or sorry, the the, the former government USCRL governing body, um, which uh, which 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 is the governing body of the game now, but they formed it was as a different organization to the USCRL clubs, which were already established. 
So now there's a fractured yeah. relationship there. Um, so yeah, that needs to uh, that needs to be solved, and and the sooner the better, really. The 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 sort of the fractured relationship there, but also um, we've got to get everybody joining everything up, you know. So you you got California have sprung mm. things up, and some of the stuff that 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 came out of there in the uh, in the fall last year was great. You know, but we got we got to find some way of linking them into the to the USCRL and the USCRL competition. And there's talk you talk about things happening in Texas and things happening in Chicago, uh, but unfortunately the, the the country's so big, it's just so hard to um, sort of put this all together. You know, uh, if you had if you had an unlimited pot of money, that would be fantastic. But unfortunately, you don't. You know. Mm. No, agreed, mate. And I think, you know, for me, there's there's kind of probably four regions that I see from an outside perspective that, that you could kind of have um, kind of state comps is probably not the right word to use, but kind of state competitions which you could then link into a national comp. I mean, you know, for me, it would be, you know, California, Texas, as you mentioned, Florida, probably the Carolinas, um, and then probably the Northeast, kind of where you guys are as well, because, you know, that's kind of where for want of a better word, rugby league heartlands are. Um, I mean, obviously, the USARL is on the East Coast. Um, is it is it time to start branching out to the likes of the Midwest with Chicago and, and obviously the stuff that's um, happening in Cali? Yeah, we'd, we'd love to see that happen. Like you see, you're just going to need some money and you're going to need some personnel to to make it happen, you know? Um, yeah, we've because obviously the USARL right now, USARL right now is, is regionalised anyway. You know, we play in the North Conference. Um, the yeah. The, the, the South play in the South Conference. Um, I mean, looking at it, that should be eventually the Northeast Conference and the Southeast Conference. Then you'd have a Midwest Conference, yeah. a Texas Conference, and um, the California one, you'd probably call it the Southwest Conference because what you'd love is you'd love maybe a team out of Phoenix. You'd love, you certainly love a team out of Utah because there's a lot of Polynesian pl- players in Utah. Um, Las Vegas yeah. could, could jump into that competition too. Um so yeah, there's unfortunately we're we're stuck right now in in that waiting for somebody in one of those areas to to put the hand up and make it happen. And California has been a hotbed for years, like ready to go. It's been bubbling under. Ready, the people have been talking about it for a long time. There's there's a lot of Australians over there, you know. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of rugby playing over there, um, but nobody did it and Tom last year obviously stepped up and decided that he was one of the guys that was gonna gonna do it and got a lot of interest but now they've just got to find a way of making that um making that into a competition they played they played like played on one one day one Saturday I think they played two three four games but yeah they need to I think you basically need four teams to to make a competition work then you need to start growing that the five teams six teams seven teams eight teams um, you could certainly do it in California it's just going to take you a little bit of time mm, No, agreed I mean I, I speak quite regularly with uh, with Tom and obviously the guys over at Cali as well I think some of the good stuff that they're doing is, is as you rightly say is, is developing those clubs but also I know AD is going in and, and kind of developing youth rugby league as well I mean how big could that be for, for the US yeah youth rugby leagues are Youth rugby league's a tough one, just like for a few different reasons. Um, one, there's just so many other sports for kids to pick from. 
you know, um, and the way sports work over here, I don't think a lot of people back home know this. So sports work over here on a seasonal basis. Um, so, for instance, here in Boston, um, if you're going to play American football, it's in it's in the fall, it's in the autumn, um, which is uh, which 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 is standard. Basically, that's the season football is played. But um, yeah, so so I used to coach rugby in high school, uh, rugby union. Um, but uh, yeah, so the high school, the way the high school sports work. So in the fall, you have football and you have soccer. Uh, they they play side by side. Um, and then in the winter, the winter sports are basketball, ice hockey, and wrestling. Um, and then you jump into the summer. That's when um, you go baseball. Um, lacrosse is a big sport over here. Probably, probably a lot of people don't probably don't know that too much back home. But yeah, lacrosse is pretty big over here, especially in the northeast. And um, rugby and track and field and golf and tennis. They're all summer sports. So um, you, you have to pick. Like So so if we were going to do rugby league, you'd have to pick which um, which season you wanted to go you wanted to go at. You know, yeah. you'd be stupid to go against American football and soccer. So, so, so the fall's out. Uh, here in Boston, you couldn't go in the winter because of the weather. So you have to go in the summer. Yeah. But then you're competing, like I say, against... Um, you're going against... Baseball's big sport, lacrosse. You're going against rugby union. You're going against track and field. Like so, it's very hard to to find yourself a, like a foothold um, with regards to to youth rugby league. And I mean, obviously, you it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start in in one state, and it's got to start in one town, and and so forth. But you just worry that it's it's hard to get a it's hard to get a foothold. I know, obviously. The airman are probably for years and probably try to get some some youth um some youth rugby league going. I know David Newey, who was the the head guy in the airman RL. He has two sons who who are actually fantastic rugby players. Um, I think one of them's the, the older one's called Selby and the younger one's called Noah. Uh, fantastic rugby players. So he probably tried to get some some rugby league going for those boys, but unfortunately, it just didn't really come to anything. You know. Um, so yeah, but all credit to the California boys trying to get youth rugby league going, but it's just like I don't know. Can like, what they'll have to do is they'll have to get a, a mini competition going where they are. They can't expect to play their yeah. their kids against any kids that Jacksonville produce or any kids that Boston produce because you just wouldn't have the money to 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 play any games. Yeah. You know, you, you flight to California's from Boston, you know, through 300, $400, $500 return. Um, mm. Jacksonville from Boston is $300 return. So it's, it's, you just wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the funding for that. So you'd have to start your own competition. Um, Lawrence, a uh, manual in, in Rhode Island, it's about an hour away from Boston, an hour South. Um, Lawrence started, a he started a couple of projects actually. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe eight years ago now. Um, he was, a little bit like we might do back home. He was going into three different middle schools in during their after school program um, and teaching the kids how to play. Yeah. And then we had a little mini. I was going down to help coach, and uh, we had a little mini tournament after the after the like ten weeks we done or whatever. So he he started that up. That was that, that was pretty good, um, but it just never kind of went anywhere. Did it for maybe two or three years, four years, but you know where are those kids are now. Unfortunately. I, I think I would know. 
I don't know, one of the kids maybe. Um, and then the other one, he, he was actually going into a youth prison um, and teaching the kids in the in the in the correctional facility. He was teaching them how to play. And some of these kids were very, very athletic. And what, what used to happen is we used to take our uh, we used to take our Boston kids down um, to play actually in the prison. And um, he used to have a team out of out of Rhode Island, Providence, and we used to have a three way tournament. And again, that was a fantastic thing that we were doing. But again, where are those kids now? They're, they're probably not playing. There's probably none of them playing anymore. Yeah, so there, mm. there is opportunities, but it's also very tough to make it happen, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And and like you say, it's kind of an advantage and a disadvantage how big the country is. Um, you know, because you look at, like you say, you look at California and it's, you know, it, it's bigger than the UK put together. Or you look at Texas or you look at, you know, not, majority of the states in over there and they're kind of their own country. So I think from a, an advantage point of view, you can kind of, um, like you say, develop it within your state. But then on the flip side of that, you've got to have that um, kind of governing body or that, that one message, if you like, to make sure that everyone's on the same Yeah, exactly. That the other thing that you, you'd probably have to have is... Um... Like from a legal standpoint, you know, you need um, any insurance, like because everybody sues everybody over here, you know. So you need, you need, you need yeah. everything done from an insurance standpoint. You need every, you need all the rules standardized because you know any insurance company who's threatened with a million dollar payout is going to jump at any little thing to uh, mm. to try and not pay out, you know. So you need all, your, and then you're going to need all your coaches qualified. Yeah. You're going to need all your referees qualified. Like. You need to uh, need to be careful about all that as well. So, yeah, it uh, yeah, it, it's like you say, there is huge opportunities. There's um, there's there's so many people over here. There's over three hundred million people, um, and they they love sports where there's a little bit of rough and tumble. They love football. They love ice hockey. You know, like basketball. Everybody kind of knocks yeah. basketball a little bit. People, people flopping and falling over. You know, if you've played a game of basketball, you know, like, you know it is it is tough. You know, you get el- you get an elbow in the face, you get jumped yeah. around. So it's not like basketball is not a tough sport either. <laughs> um, so yeah, they love that that the tough sports over here. They have some very athletic um, specimens over here. So if we can tap into those and harness those somehow it will uh it'll be very good for the future it's just we need some form of guidance of how we get there yeah agreed and and you're right in what you're saying i mean you look at any u.s athlete and it doesn't matter what what kind of sport they're playing i always talk about the the one percent so the one percent if you can get one percent of the the population involved playing or coaching or what just watching the sport and I think the you know you you've started to win, um, but weren't you involved with the national yeah, side I was at one involved with well? the national team for maybe maybe two or three years, um, a little bit on the fringes in the first um, instance. We um, we had a team called the USA Pioneers, which was meant to be kind of like a touring team, put put together a group of boys. We we the first trip they went on was a trip to Jamaica. Um, which was a success. And then yep. um, we pulled the Pioneers together in Jacksonville one year to play against Leeds um, when Leeds were over on preseason training camp. 
So um, so that was a good experience. And then the year after, I actually... So Brian McDermott was the USA coach, but one year he couldn't yeah. commit to uh, to some of the fixtures. So I was kind of like the... As his kind of like assistant or his sort of standing while he wasn't around. Um, so yeah, so took took charge of the team against um, against Leeds the second year, and then I coached um, coached the boys against Jamaica that summer as well. Uh, we had a good solid win against Jamaica, um, but unfortunately, I went through some pretty pretty shitty personal circumstances at the time. Uh, me and me and my wife broke up, so I decided just to step away from from all forms of rugby league for a while to um to just get yeah. my head straight and and kind of figure out where the rest of my life was going you know so yeah so that was 2016 I uh mm. I, I was coaching with the team and, and and I loved it you know um but but yeah stepped away and I actually stepped away from coaching the 13s after that summer as well so I, I actually haven't coached since uh since yeah the summer of 2016 wow wow no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. So, kind of a a, a bit of a change of, of direction then. So, you've got a new project that you've been working yeah, on. Yeah, so the... Um, I've, I've had this idea for a while. The The inspiration came from a guy named, uh, a guy, named guy Williams, actually. Um, an Australian guy. Um, I think he's involved with the North Devils now. We're friend Kevin Davis involved too. Um, but yeah, guy, uh, guy was an Australian rugby player playing in France, and the what what I think he realised was there's some quality rugby league happening in France. There's some quality players playing here in France, but there's not no real media coverage of what's going on, and any media coverage that's happening is in French. Yeah. Um, so he created a, a website called FrenchFooty.com, and he would write articles and stories about the Australian players that were playing in France, and and developing the game in France. So I had an idea that I would love to do something similar with the guys that are over here in America. Um, and yeah, um, this lockdown stuff that we've been in has just given me a little bit extra time to, to push forward with that. Um, so one of the things I want to do is, is, is profile some of the, some of the rugby league characters that are over here. Um, and that might also mean some of the rugby league characters that, um, that maybe aren't involved in the game, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't name names, but you know, I, I there's a there's an ex NRL and Super League player lives in Michigan. Um, no rugby league happening in Michigan right now. There's an ex uh, NRL and Super League player lives in Kansas. It's nothing nothing going on there right yeah. now. You know, there's there's all sorts of rugby league people uh, dotted around the states, just maybe not involved in the game right now for whatever reason. I mean, some have fantastic. Uh, careers now they can't afford to take time out of their careers to, to still be involved in rugby league but I'd love to be able to profile here this guy's in America doing this this guy's in America doing this but also I don't want to forget about what's mm. currently going on I'd love to profile some of the some of the boys that are here um, involved in the USARL or involved in the California rugby league um, and yeah tell tell some mm. of those stories so hopefully I'll roll some of that out pretty soon I've, I've had a little bit extra time during the lockdown to start putting putting some stuff together. Uh I've been playing around with the website and stuff. So yeah, I hope I'll get some of that out pretty soon. Decent. Decent. Yeah, I mean obviously as soon as, as soon as that gets out, just let me know and, and obviously I'll push it out to to anyone that's listening as well that anyone wants to kind of geek up a bit. I mean I I think I was reading 
a little while ago, a bit of a geeky one for you, but I think um, Fred Akwai, who used to play um, for Hull FC, um, New Zealand international, I believe he lives now in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's another one for you. Um, obviously, if you can reach out to Fred. Um, really? I think already he's a pastor or something in a in a church. Yeah. So, but a bit of an odd one, but but yeah, no. Like you say, it's I think it's really important, and I think it will also kind of give um, a bit more exposure to the game as well. So, like you say, if you're kind of profiling Australians or you know New Zealanders or whatever it is that that are over in the states, then then maybe it'll it'll get kind of Australians to to sit up and take oh, notice sure. a little bit more. Do you not know um, think? Yeah, I uh, I want to I want to just put it out there. Just as as much publicity as we can get for the game over here, the the better, you know. Mm. And if someone wants to get involved, um, can they? In what respect? Like people who are already here, or people who are involved overseas? Um, uh, yeah, anybody in America can can reach out to some of the USARL personnel, and um, we'll we'll help sort of get them involved where we can. If they're local to a club, that would be great. That, that's already formed, or we can give them some a little bit of assistance on forming uh, their own club if if they're in a town or city that that there's no real club. In, in the in the vicinity, you know, um, anybody overseas wanting to get involved in America? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I I answer these questions sometimes on a weekly basis, you know. But unfortunately, the big problem we have is um is visas. Um, it's very hard to get a visa for somebody yeah. to come, um, to come work here in America. I know I, the the visa I got, um, it cost over five figures to. In, in, in legal fees to get that 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 written up, um, and also we had to package yeah. together all of my work as a professional player and also all of my work as a as a as a talent coach uh, in England. We had to package that all together. I didn't see the final package, but you know, like it it, it would have been a pretty thick package to um, to send to the US mm. immigration authorities. Um, so unfortunately, the general way that we we can bring people over here is they come over on um on tourist visas unfortunately they have to save a little bit of money before yeah. they come so they don't um so they don't so they have a little bit of money for for their stay but um it's also a fantastic way of of coming over here seeing american life you know like on foot it's not the same like they, it's not it's not everything that you see in the movies you know um but yeah, people who come over, they come over for three months, they get to see American life, they, they make friends for life, um, and they get to see America. Yeah. So, you know, like I'll say to the boys, you know, like, like yeah, you're going to come live in Boston, which is a really good city, but, you know, we're going to play away games in New York, we're going to play away games in Philadelphia, we're going to play away games in um, Washington, D.C., if, you, if you're classing over as, as, as Washington, D.C., it's on the outskirts. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm like you know, mm. come over and we'll we'll do all this. We're we're actually only five hours from five hour drive from Montreal. Um, we're an, probably an eight hour drive from Toronto. Which I mean, the funny thing is, again, back home, if you say to somebody an eight hour drive, like they're like 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 what like, you know. Uh, whereas over here, that's <laughs> kind of standard. Like you know, like yeah, eight eight hours, eight hours. You just jump in the car and you start driving and then you get there. You know, um, yeah, it, it takes us yeah. On a, we're the most northerly team, um, and the most southerly team in the the northern conference will be no, will be the Northern Virginia Eagles. Nova, yeah, probably probably a ten hour drive, maybe longer. 
to to get there. Um, wow. Yeah, some depending on what, like some years we got a little bit of cash so we can stay over in hotels and that type of stuff. Um, some years we don't, so we just got to jump on the bus. And um, and I, when I say a bus, it's a mini bus. It's not a it's not a coach like we do back home. Or sometimes the boys might all <laughs> drive cars. Five cars might drive down to Northern Virginia, and then five cars might drive back after the game. Um, yeah, so it's it's a little bit different, but wow. you know, it's it's also an experience. Um, yeah, come over and get them. Like reach out, to, reach out to some clubs in America if you want to come over and see what see what kind of package they could put. You some some of them will find a spare room in the coach's house or the owner's house or somebody's house, you know, sometimes clubs will pay for, for like a footy house, you know, for the summer. So we did last year for our boys. We, we put them up for free yep. in, in, in a house, but that cost us $10,000. Yeah. Um, and our total budget wow. was probably only $25,000. So we spent $10,000 on, spent 40% of our budget on bringing three players over. Um, yeah. So that's Jeez. basically how it works. Different clubs have different budgets, but some can help you out with your flight or help you out with your um, accommodation. Unfortunately, we just can't give you any work because because of the the work visa situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's tough, but like you say, I think if if you've kind of got that motivation to to go out there and play, and you know, it's, it can only be a good thing. But I mean, how how do people go about getting involved in Boston from a, a domestic perspective? You know, whether that's uh, I don't know sponsors, players, coaches, yeah, I that mean, kind of idea. Um, on a playing side of things, we we go out and we we recruit pretty heavily. Um, just we've got a committee now. We we didn't have one for a while. It was it was me and and Coops a lot of the time just doing doing the stuff off the field. Um, but yeah, the, we've got a committee now of maybe six or seven guys, and, and everybody's out there recruiting heavily. Most of the time, you know, any anybody they they sometimes it's in a bar. Look at this fella! Like you, you play you play American football, yeah? You want to play a little bit of rugby league in the summer? Um, they, they're recruiting in their, their local <laughs> rugby union clubs, in their their college. They, they they know a lot of kids from college, um, so they're trying to trying to pull the different um, different players in in that respect. Sponsors. It, we've we've not really had much success, if I'm honest. Kind of like cold calling sponsors in America. Um, it generally you generally need to have yeah. an in. You generally need to know somebody. Somebody's father is owns a business. Somebody's father works for a business. Somebody's cousin does this. You know, there's not. I I I really struggle to name many sponsors that I've uh, managed to pull in um, over the last eight years that that we haven't really had a connection with. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. I mean, a lot of the time, like you say, it's not necessarily oh, that's, what that's, you know. It's, it's you definitely who you know. And, and... <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, where does rugby league in the US go from here? So, obviously, everything's in lockdown, in, in essence. Um, you know, potentially not going to have any footy this year over here. Might have any over there. You know, we're going to see very limited um, in Australia, probably just the NRL. Yeah, could do you reckon COVID could be kind of a, a surprising kind of push um, the restart button? For one of the things that I saw mentioned last week and would be a fantastic idea, but whether they make it happen or not, I'm not sure, is that if say the NRL or Super League if it gets going again, they give the right to the TV coverage to some American TV stations, you know, because again, sport in America stalled. There's not as much stuff clogging the airwaves, you know. So if the NRL start up in three weeks and say, "Hey," I mean, because um, 
because Fox, who owns some of the rights NRL in, in Australia, um, we have Fox here in America too, talking about the same people, you know. So if they just pass the rights across, you know, like that could get rugby league in front of so many eyeballs that would have never seen um, the sport yeah. before. Right now, you do get some rugby league over here, but it's on, it's on a channel called Fox Soccer Plus. Um, so one, a lot of people who've signed to Fox Soccer Plus are signing up to watch soccer. Um, and two, yeah. it's a pay TV channel. So you've got to have your regular subscription. Then you've got to subscribe to this channel separately. Also, yeah. some cable packages don't have Fox Soccer Plus. So my cable package here in Boston you can't even you can't even get it, you know. So I I could call up and say, hey, I want to subscribe to Fox right. Plus. They don't even carry it. So, so that's the trouble that, that yeah. we have right now. But if they decided to air it on um, Fox Sports One, Fox Sports Two, then everybody could watch it. Um, and obviously that would be great. Um, that would be great for the for the sport to 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 generate over here to, for people to, to see it and see what it is. Gosh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to give that a go. One of the strange, i got to throw this out there, one of the strange conversations I had just as kind of this COVID lockdown was was happening. I was in a bar and uh, this guy come run, running up to me and he was like, you know you know about rugby league, right? It was the first round of the NRL. You know about rugby league, right? And I'm like, in fact, I think you just said rugby. You know about rugby, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, right. Uh, I'm, I'm placing a bet. I got I got this team called the Bulldogs. They're like plus twelve. They're playing the, the Raiders. <laughs> like, what do you think about that? And I was like, buddy, like I, I I wouldn't have a clue. You know, they they set a handicap for a reason. You know, they have, they set a spread for a reason. You know, like it's gonna be yeah, roughly, yeah, yeah. it's gonna go roughly 50-50 chance it goes one way or the other. You know, but um, while yeah. sports gambling is, is illegal in I think forty eight states out of the fifty here. There's a lot of underground sports betting that happens. Um, so the, it's also another way that um, it might just get some Americans hooked on on rugby league. You know, if, if there's not much to gamble on over here and all of a sudden there's these rugby league games on and they're able to go to their underground bookie to place to place bets on um, on these games, <laughs> then it's it's also something that might just capture the imagination of the American public, you know. Mm, definitely, mate. I think, you know, um, you're right in what you're saying. Is it, I was kind of, I got myself involved in a, a debate about it. I say a debate, it was more kind of um, a conversation on, I think it was on Twitter. And, and one of the big kind of pushes for having kind of free to view or, you know, putting it onto the, the major networks was, was Nate at, at Rugby League in America podcast and Nate Gladden. Um, and, you know, Blake, Nate was right in what he's saying in terms of it's going to be the only sport on the telly. So why not why not chuck it out there? I mean, before kind of everything stopped with the NRL, we were kind of getting into lockdown and everything like that. And I believe there was a guy out, I think he was out in Boston. Um, and he started, you know, his his kind of his Twitter blew up because he said, you know, I've been watching this rugby, I've no idea what it's about, yeah. but I've been watching it for the past four hours. Um, who do I support? And then all of a sudden, you know, if you get one or two people do that and you know, well, you know yourself how big social media can be. Um, but I, I, I definitely agree with you. It's like, so over here, we, we obviously have the Super League shown on, on Sky Sports. And um, for a little while, we lost the NRL on Sky Sports. And I think that really kind of dented the the profile for Rugby League over here. Because 
TV packages are massive. And, you know, when we lost kind of State of Origin as, as being kind of the biggest um, biggest rugby league event in the calendar, people were going, oh, well, you know, I'm not that bothered about watching Super League and, and that kind of idea. Um, but look, mate, I am going to I'm going to leave this one here because, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you. You've, you've probably got better things to, to be doing than, than speaking to me. But obviously, um, as ever, the, the guest gets the last say. So is there anything you want to want to kind of say about getting, you know, people involved in rugby league in America or, you know, kind of kids? I'm just going to say, get involved, everybody. You know, it's a fantastic sport. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can just uh, get everybody singing from the same hymn sheet run in the same direction in the board because it's a fantastic sport and it would be fantastic if we could all um, it'd be great if we could all make careers out of rugby league here in America it's not going to happen in the near future but you know in 10 years time I'd love to be coaching or be a CEO earning some big bucks because we've uh, we've made rugby league professional over here you know <laughs> yeah agreed mate agreed I mean I uh... You know, when you get to that point, let me know. So I'll, good. Uh, at that point, visas won't be a problem. We, we, we're uh, rolling this. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Look, mate, I really appreciate your time, um, and obviously, I really appreciate doing this one, and really enjoyed it as well. Uh, but look, stay safe, Thanks, mate. Man, you and, too. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day as well. Bye.